What's up, everybody? This is Dr. Andy Bilzek. So this is a special episode of Untenured Tracks. This is the first part of our first two-part interview. This week's guest is Dr. Joan Antunes from Towson University, where she is an assistant professor in the Department of Sociology, Anthropology, and Criminal Justice. Dr. Antunes does research in youth violence and immigration. So we talk about her scholarship. We talk about all kinds of things over the course of the next two weeks. So I hope you all enjoy as much as I did. This is episode 14 of Untenure Tracks. How old were you when you moved back? Five. Okay. Five. And then um, I went, I did my undergrad in England. Mm -hmm. And then I came back for my master's and then went back to Portugal. Then I came back for my PhD and just didn't leave. (laughs) I'm staying. (laughs) Um, So it's always really um, interesting to me. Like when my mom's like, Oh, it's Easter. Don't you have Easter vacation? Uh, no. There is no Easter vacation. <laughs> no, it, does, it doesn't work that way, Mom. <laughs> oh, it's summer. Aren't you off? Uh, no. <laughs> there's no so vacation. There's, no. And, you know, one of the things that I think is really hard for all for us as academics, and then, I mean, my husband's not an academic. Mm-hmm. He'll say things like, you don't need to respond to the student email at 7 p.m. I'm like, yeah, but they have a test tomorrow. It's not, it's, you know, it's not the nine to five work day. Uh, we don't have a work day. I mean, we, we don't ever have a moment where we don't have something to read, something to do, something to grade, something to post, a committee to think about. Um, tenure, like tenure, I, I go up for tenure in less than a year, uh-huh. you know, how will this look on my tenure file yeah. or, you know, it's, it's, there's this constant mental load, I think. Oh yeah. And, and I think it can be really hard for people who are not in the, an academic to uh-huh. understand. And yeah. That. Yep. That's been a, a problem with my relationship with my in-laws because they, <laughs> Well, so my, it's like sociologically, I understand that it's a, it's a social class thing, right? So my, my father-in-law was a steel worker his entire life. Oh, um, uh, so you live in the ivory tower? Well, kind of. So he, he passed away before I met, before my wife and I even met. Um, oh, interesting. He, so he didn't, he didn't get to go to college. He, um, he wanted to go to college, but his parents wouldn't wouldn't foot the bill for him um and he didn't have a car so he was hitchhiking to class for a while and then that just wasn't feasible right so he he ended up withdrawing and then then worked at the steel mill his whole life and it destroyed his knees and so he um like the cartilage in both of his knees was completely gone um and so he he gained a lot of weight and had a heart attack um pretty young um but they they all treat this job that I have as just like a like a normal job, right? Like you're not in the office, so you're not working. <laughs> and and I am not like that. Like I don't have an off switch, you know. Yeah. <laughs> so it, it's led it's led to a lot of conflict. No off switch, right? Yeah, it's like there is no off switch. I mean, we always we're always thinking. I mean, even like so. Um, my. I, I got my PhD at the University of Maryland, mm-hmm. and then I worked at a research institution. I absolutely detested it, like this whole idea of research for hire. Yeah, and, and I like being in the classroom. I mm-hmm. like I like 
I like talking to students. I like understanding the student perspective. Yeah. Part of me, there's also that part of me that is um, selfish and thinks that it's because it helps keep me young in some way, or at least hip and maybe not so much. And it's like, you know, they come up with all these new terms and I'm like, I don't know what that means. <laughs> or, or the time where they were talking, where, where, they were talking about Netflix and chill. And I'm like, I totally get it. You put in a movie and you just relax. And they looked at me like, uh, that's not what it means. I was like, really? <laughs> and then I went around asking other people, do you know what Netflix and chill means? And they're like, yeah. I'm like, oh, oh well. Now I do. And, and, and also, the, there's also the issue of cultural divide. Yeah. So um, my parents emigrated and my dad, they're both, they, my dad was a, a brain surgeon. He worked in New York City. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting because he, I mean, Portugal, I, I can't tell you how often people are like, how come you're not darker? I'm like, I don't know what that's supposed to mean. Um, what exactly do you perceive as Portuguese? <laughs> it's a Latin-based country, sure. It's just, but my dad had this thing where he was, he had blue eyes, very white, mm-hmm. freckles. And but he had a really thick a- accent, mm-hmm. so he used to tell us about his immigrant experience. He was this mm-hmm. brain surgeon in New York City, and you know he'd ask for people to bring up patients on the phone, and people would go like, "Who's this effing mm-hmm. whatever, whatever derogatory term?" and and he'd tell us stories of how he was one of on the first team to perform surgery on AIDS patients in the 1980s mm-hmm. in New York City. And it was usually comprised of immigrants. Mm-hmm. The, the nurse was an immigrant. The anesthesiologist was an immigrant. And it just, and for me, it, I never had that immigrant experience because mm-hmm. I ended up growing up in Portugal. Yeah. And, um, uh, and, and even when I'm here, like I don't, my, my real name is unpronounceable to English people, to English mm-hmm. speaking people. So I don't even go by my real name because there's no point. Uh-huh. People just butcher it. And, and it just made me start thinking of I have that privilege because I look white. I, I don't have like most of my words don't come out with a particular accent of one accent or the other. Yeah. There are some words that will come out and it makes students giggle. And, and I gave them examples of socioeconomic status. And they're uh-huh. like, ah! I'm like, I don't understand why you're laughing. It's status. Okay. Sorry. Oh, boy. Or, or, and then, or the, the another favorite is hamburger. Cause they're like, it's hamburger. Can you say it again? I'm like, hamburger. And so certain words are literature. It's not literature. It's literature. I'm like, all right. But physically, visually, I don't have, like, you wouldn't perceive me as, oh, this person, the stereotypical immigrant. And so a lot of my research, I started thinking about, wow, like, and then come 2016. Uh-huh where immigrants came back to the forefront. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm at a teaching, well, primarily, Towson University is primarily teaching university, mm-hmm. but I apply for the Du Bois Fellowship at NIJ uh-huh. to study immigrant um, inner city mobility. Because, you know, you know the Getro Project, Moving to Opportunity, these um, programs that are intended to enhance um outcomes for families and individuals there's always this underlying assumption that people can escape the inner city mm-hmm. and the truth is we a lot of people actually have to stay where they are and if they can move they move within the city mm-hmm. and so i, I applied and with a colleague eileen allen for the nij du bois fellowship fully not expecting to get it it's one of those things where you just apply for stuff thinking hey this is going to look good on my tenure package. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of like the book contract I have now because I was like, hey, I'll put together a book proposal. <laughs> it won't get accepted. And I like, it gets accepted like, oh, okay. I like your serious, oh. your impression of yourself as being really serious. Just- I know. <laughs> I, I, I've been accused of having a lot of, um, what is it, sound effects. <laughs> and, cheesy, and cheesy movie references when I teach, but whatever. Like, oh, we must. Yeah, um, no, I, like, I do the same thing. I do the same thing. And so, yeah, and, and so, like, so we submitted it, and I was um, nine months pregnant when I submitted it mm-hmm. with my fourth child, which I gave birth to at the end of my first year on the tenure track. Because why not? Why not? We, we all need challenges. <laughs> yeah, in that first right. Year. Yep. So 
it was one of those things where I was like, I, I, I don't know how this happened. Well, I mean, I do, but I don't. Like, I don't I, I, I'm not computing. <laughs> I don't know. This just keeps it's happening not, to me. I don't understand why. I know. I'm like, what is up with this? Because I had two kids during grad school. Uh huh. And I remember, like, the, like, and planned. I mean, it wasn't. Yeah. This last one, I mean, I hope, like, in 10 years, he doesn't listen to this and go, what? <laughs> I was not planned. And, like, you were welcome, just not expected. <laughs> and. Um, you know, and it's funny because I, I was older, so I finished, I was older, I was an older PhD student, mm-hmm. I got married, and I was like, there has to be more to life than this, like this constant, like, you know, angst about dissertation and, yeah. you know, my, uh, you know, my, my uterus isn't getting any younger, and, you know, I can do this. I can have a child and be in my PhD program. I mean, you know, uh-huh. it is what it is. And one male professor who's no longer there turns to me at this like social function, looks at my belly and goes, oh, you're never going to finish now. Oh. I was like, oh, all right. <laughs> Great. Thank you. Yeah. And, and not only am I going to finish, I'm going to have another one. Check this out. <laughs> And so, I mean, and it was what it was, but there was also this like, and I think it's something that's being, and it it kind of like made me realize. And and so when we applied for that Du Bois fellowship, I mean, there was a lot of stuff and I'm not, I wasn't, I I, I have to be fair. I wasn't a particularly political person, Mm -hmm. especially because I grew up in a country which had lived under a dictatorship Mm -hmm. for decades where up until the late 70s, women had to get permission from their husband to leave the country. Mm-hmm. Like, and so it, but these social injustices or social inequities weren't something that ever, like, ever even um, like, had a spot in my, on my mental load. It was just what it was. It was the status quo, and I just had to, to live with it. Uh-huh. But um, my husband, he is, he's, he, he's, Portuguese nationality, but ethnically Indian okay. and religiously Muslim. Mm-hmm. So, you know, and I'm thinking about the immigrant life here in the United States. And, you know, now he's a citizen because I was like, you need to get your citizenship stat. Yeah. And, you know, and, and, and having questions from my oldest going, hey, mom, like, you know, you know, like, what does this mean? Like, why don't people like Muslims? And like, you know, why don't people like people who are a little bit darker kind of like me and I was like I don't know don't these are all like you're too young I, I don't even know how to answer these questions yeah and it really started informing and the Du Bois fellowship was that first opportunity to hey look what do we know about about immigrants mm-hmm. we, and, and and the truth is as criminologists we know they don't commit more crime than native born I mean it's statistic it's a statistical fact mm-hmm. Um, do we know where they moved to? Do we know what are the parenting differences? Do we, and, and I think that we've long relied on social disorganization, like, oh, immigrant concentration. And, and really what our research has shown, that immigrant concentration is actually a protective factor mm-hmm. at the community level. And understanding that these individuals, that they come to the United States with hopes and dreams. They don't, like... And I started to see this disconnect between what we as academics learn, what the public hears, and uh, more concerning, what students believe. Mm-hmm. And I don't know about like your students, but my students are like, I want to be a profiler with the FBI. Oh, and, then, <laughs> and then I quash their dreams <laughs> like, in one fell swoop. Yeah. Like, That's, you're not doing that, my friend. Oh, I have, to, <laughs> I have to do an open house next weekend so oh, we were, we were, I just did one huh? and, and so the last one I did I had a, a student come up to me and he that's what he said he wanted to do like profiling and that type of stuff and I was like okay well what you're gonna need to start thinking about is a PhD in genetics <laughs> and, and you should probably go home and you should probably make an account on like ancestry.com and do your whole family tree and like do family trees for your friends and as far back as you can go, um, because that's that's where the field is going. <laughs> if you want to do I'm that, I'm sure type. he really appreciated that. He one. was he was so disappointed. 
<laughs> like, well, I'm sorry, man, but I'm not going to just blow smoke at you and say, like, oh, of course you can be a profiler in our in our program. Like, no, no, no. Like, we have to we have to really destroy these hopes and dreams early on. We nip them in the bud. Yeah. Like, oh, and yeah, we had uh, we had we had open house too, and they're like, I want to be, I want to work for the BAU, and I'm like, what? <laughs> like, so you want to be on Criminal Minds? Is that what you're telling me? Yeah, I want to be a profiler and work for FBI. And I'm like, okay, so first you need to go learn Arabic yeah. and computer science. Uh-huh. And then, and they're like, oh, I don't want to do some computers. And also well, be, like, then, really charitable, right? We had a, I had a special yeah. agent, like, our from our bureau office come to my campus a couple of years ago. And I thought, I thought it went great. The students were extremely disappointed because he was like, so I got a degree in accounting and I, I viewed my first, my first job as an accountant as like my first undercover job <laughs> and I hated accounting and I got, I, I got a 4.0 GPA my whole career. And then he's telling him about like all the charitable work that he does and that the Bureau doesn't want just people who are good at the job, but who are good people. <laughs> and like, the student is like, what? <laughs> oh yeah. And when I asked Oops. about drug use, man, the students were so pissed. It was. I was like, oh, oh, oh. He was oh, like, it doesn't. He's like, it doesn't. Like, I understand that people smoke pot in college. So as long as you, as long as you've been clean for ten years, the bureau doesn't care. And afterwards, <laughs> after he ten left, years. the student there were like, Will Zach, you ruined my dreams. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, you did. You did. like, well. Sorry, but it's, not really, because <laughs> if, if you're not a, if you're not a good person and you're you're high all the time and you're you're averaging a two point like I don't want you to be in the FBI. <laughs> I don't I don't <laughs> want you. <laughs> it's always like, but 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 they get a gun. I'm like, yeah, but you could get a gun too. You don't yeah. have to be the FBI. That's the beauty of the Second Amendment, my friend. <laughs> like, oh, you're just being sarcastic. I'm like, yeah, that's true. It's just really funny because, like, culturally, uh-huh. for me, it was, it, it's really, it, it's one of, we were talking, I was talking, I have this group of amazing ladies that, um, in C- we call ourselves the CJ Boss Ladies, <laughs> <laughs> where we promote each other's work and support each other. And when we talk about generation, first generation students, mm-hmm. like, navigating life here after spending, because, like, I might be citizenship wise, I'm American. Uh huh. But culturally, the divide was we, we even had in Portugal, like I participated in some of these Fulbright workshops in preparation for a PhD in America. Mm-hmm. And we literally had like um, workshops on be mindful. Don't invite anybody out to lunch. They might think you're asking them out on a date. And I was like, oh, OK, you know, like or, or navigating dating in the United uh-huh. States or, you know, perceptions and and it was just it's really interesting and so when i see when i see students have these like misperceptions of um immigrants for example and uh-huh. and, and, and it's funny because towson has a, a, a large student population and of a, it's very very diverse mm-hmm. and um and so when with the but with the the grants and looking at immigrants and so basically what, what we did was a secondary data analysis of the phdcn data in mm-hmm. chicago and then I was like, okay, so what can I do to bring this, at least some of what I see in the NIJ grant mm-hmm. into my classroom and really educate, well, and not even educate, because like some, I, I love it, and, and this is probably something you see, see a lot in social media where people are like, students go to college and our liberal professors tend to t- try to make them liberal. And I was like, Jesus, I can't even get them to like... <laughs> Like write three hundred words on something. Oh, it's always two hundred and ninety nine words. I'm like, no, three hundred. You that, have to follow directions. That trope makes me so mad because, like, over the last few years, I think that I have gotten much more radical in in my research interests and in my teaching and stuff. And I have students that that want to take lots of classes with me, and then I'll ask them senior year like a basic question, right? Like expecting them to parrot back like whatever whatever thing i've I've taught them several times over and then i still get like (laughs) the exact opposite of that and i'm standing up there and i have to like bite my lip and be like oh that's a that's a good point that's valid and inside i'm thinking like jesus christ (laughs) 
Like, <laughs> You're an idiot. Where have you, know? you been for the last, like, 75 oh. semesters that you've taken with me in a row? And you're still sitting here, like, parroting stuff that you saw on television or that you heard yeah. from your parents? On <laughs> Yeah. I saw this on Facebook, and it sounded really convincing. Like, for Christ's <laughs> sakes. Did you click? <laughs> but it's true. Like, so, and I got this. And, and I'm not even... I've, I've bitten my tongue, you know, and I don't I don't say anti-Trump Bert. Like I might say anti-Trump stuff if it's based on fact, uh-huh. but I'm I'm pretty I'm pretty careful with what I say. Yeah. And I'll get, but I say things like, "Hey, we're using incarceration at too much of a it's too much of a crutch, and and we are disenfranchising huge populations of 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 our um, society, and this is problematic because we have kids who grow up mm-hmm. without their fathers, we have neighborhoods that are um, depleted, and 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 I'll get. In my course, evals, you're so liberal, it hurts. I'm like, where does it hurt? Like, <laughs> yeah. What exactly? Like, did they give you a headache? Or and, and you know and 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 you know how it is at, at teaching? It's like all about these like course evals. And I was like, really? So this is what um, we're gonna you know hang tenure on? Whether or not a student puts in my course eval, she's a milf. Like like, like we're depending on these idiots. To value, so it's like, and, and I'm not gross. even kidding. I did have that comment. She's a milf. That's like, gross. Really? Of course, it, it's gross. But like, yeah. they, they live with these expectations of, mm-hmm. and so we had this opportunity at the university. There's something called the diver, the diversity faculty fellowship, mm-hmm. and it's a fellowship given to like you apply for the fellowship. So you can de- you can design a community outreach, a new course. For the major or for for the program, um, put together a research piece, and I thought that it would be really interesting to develop a course uh, like completely dedicated to immigrants in the criminal justice system, mm-hmm. because it, it would marry some of my research interests, uh, looking at um, neighborhood conditions, um, immigrant exposure to violence, mobility, but also in my hopes and dreams of my most naiveness, naivety, it would also maybe bring some facts to these minds that seem to dwell so much on Facebook and not really be interested in understanding the dynamics. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're living in such a re- in such a historically politically interesting era. And and I had never been political. I was mm-hmm. a kid that was like, "Mom, why do we have to listen to the news? It's boring." And now I'm like, hey, kids, listen to this, listen to this. And they're like, can we listen to Hits One? Uh, no. <laughs> We're listening to Jim Comey testify. <laughs> it's historical. And um, and so what, what I did, and, and I ended up, so I applied for the fellowship, mm-hmm. and I was awarded it. And this was a great opportunity for me to kind of think, okay, how do I get the, me- the message about immigrants and crime out there in such a way that, that students don't construe it as me politicizing or wanting to change their minds and become less conservative or more liberal. Mm-hmm. Because in an age of alternative facts, mm-hmm. I knew I had to, um, you know, walk a tightrope in terms of letting them make the the light, like the, the decision making within their research or and topics within the class. Uh-huh. And then coming to conclusions that would inform their reality. And so, you know, and of course, like, me being me, and I th- it, it must be a trait where I like apply for these things, think, eh, I'm not going to get it, but it will look good on my tenure file. <laughs> <laughs> and then it can't, and then it's like, hey, congratulations. I'm like, oh, you know, monthly Friday afternoon meetings. I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> I can <laughs> a presentation. In January, that conference. Oh, okay. Yeah, you know, I, I didn't think this through, but it <laughs> and, and but it was still it was it was a great opportunity because it gave me this chance to like like create an entire course uh-huh. that we didn't have that would focus on something so um, in the now and something that was raising awareness of uh, social justice issues. And it also gave me the opportunity to um, observe students and observe how they reached conclusions 
not only from an, an academic perspective, but looking at them from like a, a social experiment perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember having a student tell me, so, you know, Dr. A, you know what really pisses me off? And I'm like, Ugh, I can imagine, but you give it to me. And like, <laughs> like how people come to our country and they don't even speak our language. And I was like, oh, shit. <laughs> and, I was like, and I was like, you know, dudes, here's the thing. I grew up in a different country and I know more than y'all do. We don't have an official. Yeah, but they've been coming here speaking Spanish. And I was like, banging my head on the desk. And I said, like, why does it bother? And, and I, have to, I have to ask, like, why does it bother you? Yeah. Why does it bother you? This, why should you care what language people speak? Maybe it's a moment for you to, you know, uh-huh. uh, broaden your horizons. And and so I had to think about our, our, our assignments. And that was something that really... I had to draw from our from you know, our political spectrum issues of crime, and so for for the first thing, like I needed to figure out what these indiv- what these students knew about the immigrant process, mm-hmm. because they'll spew out facts like chain migration, chain migration, it's bad. People come in with their with their cousins and their aunts and uncles and their cousins' cousins. I'm like, uh-huh. dudes, no, it doesn't work that way. Yeah, and and it really, and it really got me thinking in terms of what can we give to these students that they they that that will change their minds. So their first assignment, and they're like, "This was too much." The first assignment was to tell me how many different visas the United States have to grant entry. <laughs> <laughs> and they're like, "I mean, it's an impossible assignment." So I, I knew that they wouldn't. And they're like, "Do you know there's an Einstein visa?" And I was like, guys, you guys make it way too easy. I'm not even going to pick that one up. And I'm like, do you know there's like this visa and this? I'm like, yes, yes. Do you know people have to pay for these? I'm like, yes. <laughs> and, and it was just so interesting. The indignation. Like, did you know? I'm like, yeah, I did. <laughs> right? Because when I sponsored my husband's green card, I had to prove as a grad student that I had over like, 50 grand in assets. That uh-huh. was fun. So, so were, I, I figured something out. <laughs> you were you were briefly the, the wealthiest grad student <laughs> in the history of grad school, it sounds like. <laughs> or, you know, you can jerry-rig the system and be placed on one of your parents' accounts <laughs> and then taken off that account straight after. <laughs> Hypo- that also purely works. hypothetically. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of like when the students are like, did you know in por- Portugal's decriminalized all drugs? And I'm like, oh, I'm the other children. Let's talk about that. And they're like, so did you? I'm like, no, because, you know, it's are just you- not like... Are you, are you ever tempted to play dumb with those kinds of questions? Like with that one specifically, it just came to mind. Like if I was in your position, my reaction would be like, no, wait, what? Tell me about it. Like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. <laughs> but then I get like this, just why are you always so sarcastic? I mean, it's fun, right? Yeah. <laughs> but it, it's always, re- and it's really interesting to see the differences between the male students and female students and, um, you know, openly talking I, I, and, and, and you'll probably get this, even though it might be a different perspective. I once had a student tell me, a guy, a, a male student, you know, Dr. A, you swear too much. <laughs> and I was like, oh, we want to go down this road, do we now? And I said, um, so what bothers you precisely about the fact that I swear? Just like, what is, what, um, you know, what injures your social presence or what what really offends you and be like it's not ladylike Uh, and you should have seen the girls in the class their their head just went like just bobbed up like a mere cat like Uh what's happening here and i said well they're words and 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 especially because i did have a male professor from another department say oh you know the dean doesn't like it when people swear i'm like yeah but the dean doesn't talk about rape and immigrants in cages Uh and murder and, um, you know, child, children being gunned down in inner city neighborhoods. Yeah. Right? If we're going to talk about who oh, during the Renaissance period, when people <laughs> took a more natural approach to painting, I mean, <laughs> then you wouldn't expect much swearing. <laughs> and, and then so now I just turned, yeah, I think you guys should watch the first episode of, of Mindhunter when they talk about arresting perps. Mm-hmm. It's like, what? 
because like these expectations, oh, this, or, you know, my, my favorite is when they're like, Miss Antunes. And I was like, don't call me Miss. Don't call me Miss. And it's not even because of like some sort of feminist, which would be fine if it were. Mm -hmm. It's more of, why don't you call them male? Like male professors are always professor, but women are misses. And I had one student say, but aren't you proud to be married? (laughs) 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 Oh, I could talk all about social control there. (laughs) I'm not even going to pick that one up. I've, so, I've yeah, gotten so like, I've gotten more misters. Yeah. This I've gotten called Mister more times this this semester than ever before. I think it's just come out of. I wonder what. Yeah, it is. I don't know. The, I don't know. It's not even a like. It's not even like. I mean, Portugal is very a, a very classist society and very uh-huh. sexist society. So all you need is have a degree to be called doctor. Yeah. And I was like, I don't care. Um, <laughs> But and also, there's a very, very, very um, strong barrier between professors and students in Portugal. Like there was no way you'd call them by their first name, which then uh-huh. made me also a weirdo in my grad program, where I couldn't <laughs> like address a, a professor, whether it was a, a female or a male uh-huh. professor, by their first name. I'd be like, uh, I, I can't. It's not. It's not. I just can't do this. Yeah, it's weird. I just it's but it's a cultural thing. Uh-huh. But then it also places me as a second generation immigrant as the mom of, of four biracial, bi-religious, depending on how you see it, second generation uh-huh. or third generation immigrants and trying to navigate like how they um function. And I did have one student once turn to me and said, you know, the problem with crime in the United States is all the Muslim immigrants that are coming in and committing crime. And I was like, uh, uh, I don't, I just, like, because some, most of the time, like, I'm learning, and I think I found a vo- my own like, research voice and teaching voice in the last few years. Uh-huh. But at the beginning, most times I'm just like, I'm so surprised by the shit people say, like by the verbal diarrhea that comes out of their mouth. It's not even that I don't have a response. It's like, I'm, I can't believe you said that. Yeah. I can't believe you actually verbalized that. And, it, it, and, it's a, and it's something really strange to navigate when you do research on particular disadvantaged groups mm-hmm. because you can see it. So I often do this exercise with them while I have pictures and I ask them to identify who the immigrant is mm-hmm. because I need them to understand their stereotypes mm-hmm. in terms of when we talk about immigrant in today's world, we're talking about someone brown. Mm-hmm. And what, and I bring up and there's this if you're ever interested there's this great it's it, I think it's PBS I could be wrong it's a, a short documentary on the Mississippi Delta Chinese and so I always start my immigrants and criminal justice class with that video so mm-hmm. it's like this population of Chinese of ethnic of second third generation fourth generation immigrants from China with this thick Mississippi accent. And the student, the moment they speak, like the, the change in students' like posture and eyes, it's like this cognitive dissonance where their brain explodes. <laughs> and they're like, "What?" And they're like, "And and you know, like so." But, and I and I and I've seen this. I, I've had people ask me about my one of my kids, like, "What is she?" I'm like, I, I don't know what you mean. Is she a pain in the ass? Sure, because <laughs> she's sick, sick and crazy. But you know, no, I mean ethnically. I was like, because, and I think for us as a society, we need the, like, and I say this facetiously, we need those labels. Mm-hmm. We need to be able to see where people are from mm-hmm. because that's the only way we can be bigots and put people <laughs> in their place, really. And so I do that. And then I do a few exercises, which are super fun because I think it really drives home the issue. So I have them build a case for the border wall okay. and how it's going to affect crime. Mm-hmm. And again, it makes their little brains explode as well because they're like, "Wait a minute, we don't need it." And then they'll they'll start with, "Did you know that seventy percent of illegal of undocumented immigrants are visa overstays?" I'm like, "Yeah, I did." Uh-huh. And they came via plane. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, "Yeah, I know." <laughs> so why would we spend mil- billions on a wall if people are just coming by plane? I'm like, "Yeah, I know. I don't know. You tell me." Like, I don't know. I'm just asking you to make a case. And then, you know, it rounds up. And, and most recently, and this one was the most traumatizing of the um, 
assignments because it was something that was, you know, with the immigrant population, I asked them to use deterrence theory to explain the child separation policy. Mm -hmm. Because that was what Sessions initially said, argued for, that, oh, if we separate at the border, it's going to act as deterrent, so mm-hmm. people are not going to want to come. And um, and so I said, okay, I need you guys to put it in terms of the hedonistic calculus, the cost-benefit, for a parent. Mm-hmm. What possible cost or what possible benefit of having your child taken away from you would outweigh the cost from your country of origin? Like, what could the conditions be that you are willing to take the chance Mm -hmm. that your child is going to be ripped from your arms at the border? And they're like, good point, uh, good point. (laughs) So I need you to to research it. So I gave them several, I gave them specific countries to choose because or else it would have been unfair Yeah. in terms of like, uh, and they're like, did you know that in El Salvador, the murder rate? I'm like, yeah. So maybe a mom is willing to come and um, risk losing their child just for the better life and maybe for as a survival mechanism. And, and it just, they're like, but, 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 so it doesn't, it's not really deterrent because the conditions back home are even worse and they'll be okay. But, you know, at least their child lives. I was like, yeah, they're willing to take that risk. So that, and, 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 and I think that that's, for me, I think that's the, one of probably the biggest advantages of being at a teaching university where you do um, do get some research. Because, like, I, I don't know about where, where you are, but here it's it's the workload is mostly about teaching. Yeah. It's all I have a three three, mm-hmm. and I don't have a three four because I have fifty advisees. <laughs> and so you know, and so the the, the beauty of having a grant. Or fellowship where I could do research I'm interested in, which, you know, shout out to the NIJ because I think they're one of the the institutions that are willing to, like, take a chance on people that haven't ever gotten a grant, if that makes sense. Because, you know, there's this, um, I guess, like, perpetuation of disadvantage in such a way that, you know, people, it, it, it used to see, at least to me, that always the same people would get the publications here, or the same people would get the grants here. And and one of the things I learned with NIJ is that they really are looking for opportunities to grant funds to people that haven't, you know, ever applied or haven't gotten a grant before and giving that opportunity. So when you get that opportunity, and you're able to, and, and really one of the, the the best outcomes is to marry that op, that research opportunity with, with your teaching. Mm-hmm. Because, I mean, you have to, because think about it, managing a, a $100,000 grant plus having a 3-3 load, it, it, was, it wasn't easy. But at the same time, I was able to see certain differences in how students are reacting to what was going around and what was pol- and becoming more politically engaged than they had been, mm-hmm. which however way they wanted to take it. I mean, I'd still had students say things like, man, I'm not at the border. Why should I care? <laughs> and, you know, and so <laughs> I mean, like, what do you, how does one respond to that? I don't know. Like, I, I don't even know. I do need to I do need to say this before I get it before I forget about it. So we do need to shout out the NIJ. And if the NIJ is looking to sponsor any podcasts, I think that I would like to Great. <laughs> put myself out there. Anybody from the NIJ listening, um, I'd be happy to read your ad copy for just a small, small sponsorship fee. But but, but I mean, because I mean, I, I applied for the fellowship. Yeah. Completely believing I was never going to get it. And um, because I'd applied, I don't know. If- Remember when they had that this that small secondary data analysis grant, and I applied for it, and the reviewers wrote something like, "We're so underwhelmed, and this person hasn't ever won a grant, so why mm-hmm. should we give them this grant?" <laughs> I was like, "Okay, thank you." That's I, I see. I've never done any type of grant writing or applications because I'm it's so intimidating. I mean, nobody knows where where Wilkes University is. I have a four four. It's in Pennsylvania. It's, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, lovely northeastern Pennsylvania. Um, well, yeah, 
Yeah. And, so I've never I've never gone that way, but now like so the whole point of the show was to to use the fact that I have tenure as a way to amplify grad students and people on the tenure track. Mm-hmm. And so maybe I should just start shooting that shot now. Yeah, I mean, like, but, what, but, but why the thing not? is, like, they are really supportive. I've been a, a reviewer for mm-hmm. them, and they really are supportive and, op- and, and open that, look, we don't want the always the same people yeah. applying. Because if someone doesn't take a chance on us, right? Like, I, you know, like where's Towson University? <laughs> I mean, it's outside Baltimore, and it's part of the University System of Maryland, but we're primarily, there's, like, what, 18,000 undergrads. So in your experience... So, has it been so how do i want to put this <laughs> in a way that doesn't get us e- either, <laughs> either of us yeah. in trouble <laughs> yeah um so I, I i like teaching more than research right because my my qualm with research has been that nobody nobody's going to read anything that i write anyway and that i i've always felt that i have a better opportunity to make an effect on the like the students <laughs> right but also, like, the big journals, and nobody knows my name or, like, where I work. And so what what shot do I even have of, of publishing in a journal that tends to just kind of go to the same well over and over and over again? I'm very jaded Dude. about I'm very jaded about this, <laughs> this whole thing. But you're preaching, but you're preaching <laughs> to the choir. Like, this, like I am so, like, this, which is really funny, because, like, the fact that I reached out to you, like, I'll do it. Because <laughs> it's not, like, I... I went to I went to this function at the University of Maryland a few months ago, and I went around to people going, "Yeah, you probably don't remember me," and they're like, "Are you insane?" Like I literally went to I turned to someone who was on my dissertation committee, and I went, "Yeah, you probably don't remember me." <laughs> He's like, he just looked at me like, "Are you on drugs?" I'm like, "No, I wish no." <laughs> but um, because there was this like because I didn't end up in an R one. Mm-hmm. But the truth is, I didn't want to end up at R1. Yeah. Right? The best advice I ever got was from Sally Simpson. She was my dissertation chair. She sat mm-hmm. me down and said, Joan, you've got three kids. The fourth wasn't on the radar. And, <laughs> do you, and, and it's not that we don't, it's not that I don't think you couldn't make it. The question is, do you want to? Mm-hmm. And that was the realest moment because you get your PhD and there's always this, like, I mean, I had other people there saying, why don't you apply for an R1? And I'm like, I don't want to. I don't want to. I want to, I want to be able to use my research for my students. Mm-hmm. I want to be connected yes. to the undergrad. Yep. Because our students, they want to be the profilers. <laughs> but if they're not the profilers, they want to be the state trooper. Yep. The county cop. And if we can reach them mm-hmm. in terms of, you know, making them understand inequities and making them understand that what they do matters mm-hmm. when they when they go out into the field, that is better than having, I mean, at least for me, than having my name recognized in a journal. Yeah. But I also will say, and, and I think we also, like, for those of us at teaching universities, you know, Wilkes, wherever that is, I'm kidding. And I think that there is this, I, I mean, I don't know. Do you, do you go to ASC? Yeah, when I can. So our, our conference travel budget is very limited. Oh, yeah. So I'm totally going to, I'm totally going to have to like sell my left kidney. <laughs> it doesn't cover the cost to go to San Francisco. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not going sure. to San Francisco this year. I'm going to DC next year and I'm going yeah. to, I do the ESS meetings on the East coast. Uh, so I'll be yeah, in. You could, like, yeah. Yeah. But, but see, that's a, that's a, that's a big difference as well between um, teaching universities and R ones. Like, mm-hmm. like it's going to cost me five hundred out of pocket to go to ASC. In, in San, I mean, yeah. I wonder if we couldn't just all rent a minivan and just drive across the country. <laughs> that would be so <laughs> rad. To make it we have to cancel cheaper. class for three weeks. <laughs> <laughs> no, because. We could go above the speed limit and make an experiment out of it and see if it makes a difference who's driving if we get pulled yeah. over. The poor state right. trooper in the middle of Kansas that pulls over a van full of criminologists. <laughs> but it's an interesting social experiment, just saying. Oh, yeah. You know, we'd have to have different ethnicities and different, like, so that we could see. I mean, I got pulled. I only got, I only got pulled over once for speeding, and the dude gave me two points on my license. And I was in a minivan, for goodness sake. <laughs> How dare 
And I remember my oldest going, great, I'm going to be late for school. I'm like, you're in daycare. It's no big deal. Like, I'm the one that has the two points on my license. You're in and, daycare. <laughs> yeah, and she was, she was upset about being late to daycare. Oh, man. Uh, but, yeah, and, and so, like, I get what you're saying because we, we, I'm just like you. This, like, oh, I'm never going to get published. In, and, and the truth is, we might see that, like, we might feel that. But I know um, if you go back and go, go do some research, uh, there's this, this um, the presidential address by Joanne Belknap. Mm-hmm. That, it, it, it just, it it fills my heart and validates all my feelings. Because, like, in it, she says something like, well, finally something I write will be published in criminology. <laughs> and I was like, yeah. Nice. This, this is it. And... And, and I mean, and as academics, and even if we do, and, and I think that those of us that like teaching, we, we dive into teaching because we're like, yeah, we're never going to publish in any of the top journals. So yep. we don't even try. But then the burden is also on us because we feel this like we're never going to make it. So why try? Mm-hmm. And then we, in, in certain respects, we, um, we relinquish that agency, that choice that we have yeah so i'll keep i'll keep submitting and that's fine like <laughs> i mean it's the, it's the nature of the game i'm like let me see i'll keep doing my oh let's see if this will get through <laughs> oh sorry i'll take it back now <laughs> thank you that's reject oh okay thank what you. has and, and what has been on. fun what has been fun for me has been so the last time i went to asc i had two two talks there both with undergrads because i sneak them in <laughs> and um, and for both of them, the papers were about race. Um, one was about race and drugs and mental health. And I forget what the other one was. Um, but for, I, and I warned the students ahead of time, like I'm, I'm going in to try to throw some grenades just to see what happens. <laughs> and they're like totally on board. And so I went in and both talks basically started off with my saying, so historically criminology has been really bad about talking about race, Right. And stated it as this, like, everybody knows kind of a fact. And both times the audiences were, like, split. Like, <laughs> really divided in their reaction to that remark. Like, I, and a lot of younger faculty or, or grad students who were there, like, 100% on board. And then older faculty, um, or older whatever, yeah, um, calling older me out. People. Older, yeah, <laughs> the olds, calling me out on it. Um and and saying like well we thought that like the whole the discipline's been really excellent about race and like actually no <laughs> no can, using it as a control variable is not the same thing as being you know really thoughtful about about this entire population that you're talking about so it's been i guess it's a long way of my saying like i i kind of treat this position as as just being able to be on the outside and lob tiny little bombs at the at the discipline you know? Yeah. I mean, and, and it's, and it's, and I find it the most ironic because we fight for social justice. Yes. Um, I want, I mean, for me, it's immigrants and, you know, religious freedom. I mean, like, you know, it, it really bothers me and, and, it's, and I'm not religious, so I'll be the first one to tell you. And my husband's Muslim, but he's not, mm-hmm. I mean, you know, maybe cause he likes, prosciutto i don't know but um <laughs> this is my weird see i told you i was here but the the truth is this is that um we we people are elitist yeah oh yeah people are elitist and they don't recognize that elitism um i've been on calls and people are like yeah i graduated from you know like you know blah, 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 blah. and i'm like yes yeah. so, like, i was there <laughs> but I don't correct them. So part of me is just like inside going, seriously, man? Yeah. Seriously. And, 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 you know, like the need to look at people's badges. Are you, are you at an institution that is worthy of my consideration? That being said, mm-hmm. I have found that Twitter has helped us overcome some of these barriers. Right. Twitter is the best. I, I mean, mean I, I, yeah, Jack I Dorsey is a Twitter until recently. Jack Dorsey sucks. But <laughs> because it's not about like we share stuff, we share. Oh, look at this article, and we, and at least my experience has been it, it's irrelevant where you're at if you're doing something neat mm-hmm. or interesting. Yeah, you know, let's have a conversation about this. If you have a particular perspective, mm-hmm. let's and and so 
and, and, and for me, um, Twitter and, and the academic Twitter verse or whatever the like, yeah. whatever word people use. I mean, and you know, the first few times are a little bit scary because then I got some DM from someone going, "You subtweeted." I'm like, I don't know what that means. Oh God, what did I do? <laughs> my anxiety all of a sudden, like, oh my God, yeah, did I offend someone on Twitter? Yeah. What does that mean? And I like, I was, so I had to Google it. Subtweet. It's kind of like Netflix and chill. Like, I really need to be cooler here. And I was like, oh yeah, whatever. Like, but it's also it, it it has also come with a degree of like support. Yes. And support that didn't exist. Mm-hmm. And the discipline was siloed. Mm-hmm. And and you know where people talk about their publications, and maybe they're not in the top tier journal. But I do feel we see cha- we see some changes in some of the journals mm-hmm. in terms of um, who's getting published in them, and um, and others no. But that's fine. It's I think there I, there is a degree of elitism, or I don't know, or whatever even, people even, want to call it. Even just the discourse surrounding like the controversy about criminology, right? With the yeah. the data issues and stuff like that. But, and mm-hmm. I'm I'm of the mind that like people do fucked up things with data. Mm-hmm. I mean, because that's what, like, it, it, it is what it is. But, I mean, in our field, let's be honest, like, we have all these, like, siloed, um, like, for example, uh, I worked on, when I, I worked at a research institute that did the collection for the National Survey of Youth in Custody mm-hmm. that looks at sexual victimization. And that data, which would be great, and, and it's de-identified, so you can't identify where these individuals are are detained, right. where these kids are detained. Right. But the decision of BJS was to enclave the data. And so what that means is that if you want to analyze the data, you have to go Michigan. Mm-hmm. And you know, I'm as you may I'm a big movie buff. So it just reminds me of the first alien movie when they go to speak to mother. <laughs> like you have to put in a key, you can't take your phone. Yeah. You can't take jump drives. Like it's like the skiff, man. I mean, apparently it's due to get into the skiff than it is in there, but <laughs>